Well, how are we doing out there? The Make community is Trivative Age. I'm sitting here. I've actually got two of my favorite people on the planet with me right now. One's not in the room. I'm not real happy about it. Um, I got I got Dylan Mitchell, my co-host. Bro, you're in San Diego right now. San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't do that to me because you know I will quote it. Don't do it. <laughs> so how's San Diego, man? You doing okay? Yeah, it's great. Um, we pick up the keys to our townhome on Monday. Um, so we'll officially be out of the Navy Lodge then and uh, not living out of uh, out of containers and stuff like that. Well, so that'll be really good. Well, let's talk about the better part of your life right now is you're back with your wife. I am. I, I mean, is... I said that like you guys have been separated. Uh, <laughs> I meant like she's been away at officer training school and uh, she's now an officer in the Navy. Is that correct? It is correct. She is a Lieutenant JG, man, Lieutenant junior grade. She is, she's always been cooler than me, but now it's official. In my like, head, I heard you say, bases, I heard you say Lieutenant. When we Dan. drive on, that's what <laughs> when I we drive on the bases, uh, she gets saluted. So that's, you know, it's pretty cool. Do you pretend like they're saluting you? Cause I would. Well, if, so like if I drive us on the base, I show them my card and they don't uh they don't salute me but if she's driving and she shows them her card she gets saluted so they know i'm the spouse my former boss drew had a sticker in his office says it really bothers me when i walk in you people don't salute me um i thought that was fantastic um well hey we've got a special guest on the show with us today um and you can why, see why don't you tell us about him well i want you to tell us about him what do you know the trap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do it. This is my buddy Jeremy Jernigan, and uh, Jeremy and I have been friends for man. We've been friends for a long time now. Like I remember when we were first friends. I tell people, oh, we've known each other for a little while, but now it's like a little while turns into a long while. It's a long while, man. Yeah. And we've done a lot of life together. Um, Jeremy and I are in a group together, um, a mentor group. You've heard me talk about uh, Covenant Group. We we get together a couple times a year. But man, we just became fast friends first time we met. And um, I, I told a group of pastors today, Jeremy spoke for a group of pastors this afternoon, which that's, uh, that was fantastic. And, uh, and uh, but I, I tell people that Jeremy and I, I think we hit it off because we're both rebels with a cause. And um, I like that he's actually probably more rebellious than me. That's what makes me really happy about Jeremy. Um, Someone's got to push you, you know? <laughs> nobody, needs a, <laughs> nobody needs to push me. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, Right now, don't, our, don't push him too hard. Our, our, <laughs> our staff right now is like, oh no, uh, did he say that? Um, Jeremy's like that guy that when he comes to town, you know how you have that one friend that just like that high school friend, that college friend that you just kind of you're like, oh, we got to one up each other. Okay, that's fine. Let's let's see who's gonna have the bigger adventure, like one upsmanship. And I feel like that's Jeremy and I's friendship. And uh, it, but ironically, we in our group, see everybody would deem me or Jeremy probably the. This is true. The instigators, but yeah. it's not either one of us. It's not. It's actually our friend Scott. It's the Midwest guys. It, it is the Midwest guys. He's in Omaha, Nebraska, and he's just uh, he he's just Scott. He, he, everyone's like, oh, I bet it's you that says the dumb stuff, even though Sunday probably proves last week that that's probably kind of true. But um, well, it's like the movie <laughs> Usual Suspects. You know what I mean? it, yeah. Like you don't expect yeah. him, and then you're like, wait, what? Yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeremy, uh, give us a little bit of your background, man. Jeremy, you've been a pastor. You've been a you've been a lot of things in the church, and now you're doing some stuff on the other side of the church. You just preached for us uh, this last weekend, and uh, man, so give us a little history of you, who you are, what you do, um, what you're about. 
My name's Jeremy. I'm a recovering pastor. <laughs> I, I, actually, I love that. <laughs> ironically, I am too. Is this, um, a, is this a safe space? Am I in the right space? Is this This is where everybody goes, hi, Jeremy. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, so I uh, grew up in the church, second generation pastor. So literally, I was the kid running, you know, underneath the pews and, and doing all that. that was my childhood. Grew up, loved the ministry, loved the church, and right out of college, went to seminary, and then decided I was going to do this and spent... Two decades in church ministry, most recently as a lead pastor of a multi-site megachurch in the Northwest, and then realized that is not, at the end of the day, my dream job. And uh, the way I've kind of figured it out is I think I lean more toward the prophetic side rather than the pastoral side, and that's not necessarily a great fit in the lead seat. So now I've tried to find opportunities like what I'm doing this weekend to get to speak into the people that are doing more of the pastoral work and yeah. try to bring some outside perspective of some of the things that I get to do now. And Well, and this last week, uh, Jeremy came in and did some stuff with our staff, which Dylan, you got to hear that, didn't you? Um, oh, that was so cool. It was so cool. So here, here's, and I know we have a broad audience on this podcast, but the same talk he did for our staff, he did for a group of pastors in town. And Talking about this issue in our culture, uh, issue is not the right word. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? This paradigm is what it really is sure. of deconstruction and and what that means. And that, that word's been thrown around everywhere. So the same talk, Dylan, he did with our staff that you heard that I heard. He did with a group of pastors, and it was a drastically different outcome. <laughs> really? Like I, You guys fooled me. I feel like I was tricked. No, you were not tricked. It was like, this is what Tucson's like. No, but here's what here's what was great. This is what I loved about it. Like our, it, it told me two things. One, it told me, like our staff and our church has been so prepped and and primed to reach our culture. Yeah, that they it, that wasn't out of the norm for us, Dylan. Is that fair? No, no. I think that was very normal for us. Yeah, I mean, we're having these conversations all the time on how do we how do we figure some of this stuff out. Um, but then you get in a context where you've got twenty plus pastors in a room all of them from different faith backgrounds, different theological beliefs, different, and it just, it's a tense conversation. It was, it was tense. It, it was a little tense, but here's what I would I say. Would love to, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that particular Actually, you know, you know, it's really funny is Sonia was there, my assistant, which we talk about Sonia on here all the time, which I'm going to play Norma's sound for her, but Sonia's got a little gangster in her. Um, and she was sitting in the room and, and she, she a couple times looked at me and just kind of grinned. And afterwards, she was like, "Did you like the tension as much as I did?" And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> it was awesome." Uh, and so, but here's here's what I love, Jeremy, is that you're willing to step into spaces and have conversations that the church needs to have. Yeah. And you've been how many years were you on the church side, like working in the in the like physically in the church? Like twenty years almost. Yeah. And now you've been out of that. What four years? Three years? Uh, not even not even three. Yeah, like two and a half. Oh yeah. Yeah, because our, our exits from our places were similar times. You were just a, a little bit ahead. Um, and so I, I love that you have figured out now you step into the side that the church should be listening to, and you actually have a voice in that community. Yeah. Um, so Sunday, you talked about, um, I'm actually just going to pull up your notes. Um, great, great message um, on our core value of kingdom first. And I originally when you were going to preach this, um, we had the series kind of flip-flopped, and I, I had you preaching like, um, about the Bible and yeah, what I believe in scripture. And I've got Glenn preaching that in two weeks. But then I was like, I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute, Jeremy actually lives out this core value of kingdom first better than anybody I've ever met. I and thought you wrote it for me. 
Wow. I thought it was really kind of you to write <laughs> to write a value statement just for me to have an awesome weekend to speak. We did. We wrote a core value just for you. Um, well, actually, once you leave, we're going to take it away. Yeah, it's, it's not even. It's not even. Yours. It's, a, it's a temporary. <laughs> it's core, temporary we really core value. believe it for this weekend. Yeah, we. Uh, we. It's. It's really. It's not a core value. At all. I just thought that was um, great of you guys. Yeah. So I mean, I love that 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 you. I mean, one, you leaned into our difference maker, you know, DNA and which is okay. Before we dive into your message though, cause I guess speak at a lot of places, we both travel and speak and have done a bunch of different things. Um, but I love you do what I do. I heard you say it and you've said it a couple of times. You're like, Hey, I went back and watched last week. And I do the same thing when I go somewhere, especially if I'm in a series, I'm like, well, I want to go see what I'm following. Um, right. or, or I'll go back a couple of weeks. So you actually went back and watched a little bit of the series we've been in. How does that shape you as uh, somebody going into guest speak? How did that shape how you began to prepare for being with us? Well, it's cool to, you know, to feel like you're coming in as a guest, but also you, you are continuing something. So it's not, yeah. uh, you know, it's different if you come in and it's like, hey, you have a one-off weekend, do whatever topic you want, you know, talk about your book or something. Then it's like, all right, this is, you know. Uh, totally separate. But when you're coming to, to be a part of something, especially something like your core values, yeah. like, it's kind of a big deal, right? And so it's like, all right, I want to make sure I understand the language, understand the tone of this. And it really is funny how much, I mean, we, we joke about it. It felt like you, it felt like you wrote this for me. And obviously that's the joke. You didn't. Right. But that's where it was just like, I so deeply resonate with this. And, you know, I, I actually quoted your value in the, in the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to quote it here again. Being kingdom first drives us beyond our own church community. We strive to join God wherever he is at work and churches who we are, wherever we are. To which I like emphatically am like, amen, amen, and amen. And I even quoted you, you last did. week. I, I, you know what? I appreciate that. Because um, I'm pretty sure I probably stole that from somebody else at some point in my life. <laughs> I, I did tell Jeremy, I said, here's my philosophy on quotes. Like the first time, like I'd be like, hey, Jeremy said, Jeremy said this. And then the next time, if I can't remember, I'm like, I heard someone once say, and then the third time, I'm like, you know what? I always say. Um, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the art of creativity is just forgetting your sources. Oh, we, yeah, that's, yeah. that's all creativity My is. problem is it's it's like full amnesia sometimes because <laughs> I, I quoted myself one time thinking I was quoting someone else. I quoted something I said. And I was like, I heard somebody say one time, and I was like, where did I hear that? I went back. I was like, I'd written it in a sermon like two years earlier. I was like, cool. I've gotten to the level where I quote myself now because I'm so absent-minded that's so, good it yeah. does get people in trouble you're, you became the epitome of what ecclesiastes 1 9 there's nothing new under the sun you're just you're quoting yourself yeah when you quote yourself you know you found a new level of weird and dumb like <laughs> i heard this guy trevor once say wait a minute that's me uh but but you did you talked about the i, I think the quote you're talking about is the um the one where we say we got to be willing to give up things we don't no 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 let me let me fix it for you yeah thanks it's a, it's been trevor devage once said laying down our life is giving up what we love for people we love more. There you go. That's it. That's mm. it. That's good. Amen and amen. And that's good. Well, that's in the podcast right there. That was fun. Um, good job. <laughs> I've officially been quoted by a guest. I'm like, I can, I can rest on that for like six months. Uh, but you, so you tell this story. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories in scripture. You tell this story of Jesus spitting in a man's face. I'll just set it up like that. Right. It's a little awkward. The story is oh, a little awkward. There's a lot of awkward Jesus stories, no, man. This is what I love. But people just kind of read over like he's so he's so sweet. He's so Jesus. It's like no, <laughs> let's let's slow down the details <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. When you th this way, Dylan, you've heard me tell our church this. Like I'll I stop. And I'm like, first of all, Jesus is hilarious. Yeah, he says some really funny stuff in scripture. Two. 
there's some crazy stuff that goes down with Jesus that we just kind of read over like, Quite that's normal. Quite and I'm like, bit. wait, yeah. So you tell this story of kingdom first um, and tell, help our listeners understand how this story even deeper digs into this kingdom first mentality. So it is like, where do we meet people, you know, where they are. And I think historically where the church often gets it wrong, the, the kind of institutional model of church is just this expectation of here we are, we've got to figure it out. You come to us, we'll fix you, right? right. You get in line. It's going to be great. And, you know, within a model of Christendom, historically, that has worked for a long time. Now what we're realizing, and a lot of churches like Pantano are realizing, is like, oh, we're, we're going to have to to go beyond that. And that's why I love this core value. It, it's not saying we will, we will attract all the right people to show them what God is doing at Pantano. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's not what it says. It's like, no, we're going to go join God outside of the church, wherever it is, and we're going to define the church as that process of as we go, the church is wherever we are, which I just so love. And I think, you know, the church is not the institution. The church is the people. It's right. always the people. Right. Now, mm. we can gather as an institution, create an institution, great. But the moment we think the institution is the church, we've, we've gone wrong. And so really this story is about how do we go and meet people. And the punchline of the story that I shared this weekend was that you can have a legitimate experience with Jesus and still not see clearly. Yeah. Because this is the story where Jesus partially heals a guy. And, you know, I always like to put myself, as just as a communicator, that's how I, I tell these stories, is put myself like, what would I do? I, I do the same thing. In like, that I moment. love it. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm a disciple watching Jesus and, the, and Jesus asks him, can you see now? And he says, kind of. <laughs> Right? Like, if, I'd be like, what do you, what wonder, do you mean? Do you wonder if Luke was over there or John was like, oh, this is so bad PR. We're going to have to call the paper. Like, we're going to have to. No. Call, and then he says, press release. yeah, no, I see people, but they look like <laughs> trees. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. That's not what you, if you got eye surgery and you came out of LASIK and you're like, why does everyone look like a tree? You have a lawsuit on your hand. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're going in. You're actually telling my wife's story from a couple years ago. <laughs> Sorry to bring up some pain. Oh, and it's still there. She went in for this surgery on her eye, one of the best specialists in the country. It's a three-second surgery. By the way, did you know that? I didn't know LASIK. I, I thought it was like a whole deal, ordeal. Three seconds. That's an intense she, three seconds. She didn't, have LASIK. she didn't have LASIK. It was some other surgery. They had to brush, like clean her eye with a brush. I don't, I, I don't want the details. I didn't either, but if I had to have them, you do too. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to take my, my headphones off. And she was like, it was worse getting her eye cleaned with this like basically round oral B toothbrush that oh, she gosh. could see coming at her. No, I would, no, I'd have to no. be blind the rest of my life. Cause I can't, I wouldn't be able to watch that happen. I'm like, or stabbing the eye with something to make it numb. So I can't see you. Um, they did the I surgery. can't even handle when they blow that little air on my eye. No, no I can't, I can't even handle if somebody blows in my eye. Like, <laughs> like pass out. <laughs> what was that? It, and, but we get in the car and she, she's like, obviously it's going to be blurry. Then it starts to get a little clearer and it just, there's a haze that's never gone away. Really? And she still has it. And so what was supposed to give her to be able to not have to have glasses, now she's back to having glasses again. She's Mark 8. She is Mark 8, bro. I, I go home and spit right on her face. It's like, hey, come here. Just say, I want to be Jesus to you right now, <laughs> I'm going to be Jesus. <laughs> uh, everything looks like trees. Well, we live in the desert. There are no trees, baby. So uh, it looks like a cactus. Yeah, it, but, I mean, it's such a weird moment. Yeah. But – now, here's my question. Do you think that it didn't work or that Jesus on purpose had this moment? So this is why I think this is where theology gets so weird and messy, and I love that question. Um, I think Jesus 
did it in purpose. I do too. Because I think it's almost like Jesus with a weird flex here of like, not only can I heal you, I can heal you in stages. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you just a little glimpse right now. And then ultimately, I'm going to give you the real deal. Like, I'm yeah. going to give you the full thing. And so I think Jesus intentionally does it. And I wonder, like, you know, the, the, way, the way the text reads, it all just kind of goes together. Right. But I wonder if there was like a very intentional pause that, that Mark didn't record. That yeah. Jesus partially heals them and then just lets it breathe for a moment and lets the reactions happen, right? Like, is Jesus, is he losing his power? Is he, did he, did he forget breakfast? What's going on? Why? Yeah. He, he's, is he not who he thought he is? It's he, kind of like when he stoops in the dirt in John 8 with a woman right. caught in act Which of you, adultery. Right, which you suspect has got to be longer than the text implies. A- absolutely. It's got to be, it's got to be that, that moment in there. Now, do you, do you think that the reason he didn't do it completely and did it in stages was to show us that maybe I'm going to heal you in your life in stages, yeah. not in completion? Yeah, and I think he's just showing, I can heal you however I want to heal you. And... The fact that he heals it this way, Jesus constantly healed people in different ways. Yeah. And I think what he's keeping us from is we would turn this into a formula and an algorithm of like, oh, this is how you heal someone. This is how Jesus does it, right? And he's going, no, I just, I'll do it however I want to do it. And each one of these being different and weird. And I think it's an encouragement to me today to go, you can experience Jesus and still not see clearly. And it doesn't say anything about you. Because we, yeah. we, you know, often the, the church people, right? And I'll, I'll speak as a pastor. I am one, right? We often want to say, well, if you haven't figured this out yet, your faith isn't quite where it needs to be. Or just read the Bible more, pray more, attend more church. Service. Like we can quickly Checklist. kick into that gear of like, yeah. why is this not? And I wonder if anybody had that feeling toward this guy. Like, oh, his faith must not be that good. His, yeah. Because everyone else Jesus healed, it worked the first time, you know? And, you know, maybe this guy was feeling that too of like, Am I doing something wrong? Like, well, you shouldn't think, I be able to heal? You think See? about culturally the story where um, the guy is, he he's, his, they go to his parents and they're like, well, it must have been his sin. That's why he's not healed. Or maybe it's your sin. Right. We got to blame someone. And Jesus is like, it's nobody's sin. <laughs> like, he's some, like, please stop some, this game you're playing. Sometimes people are just not well. Yeah. And, and I love that partial healing is still healing. Yeah. You know, and, and okay, so he, people look like trees. I mean, some days I'd rather look like a tree. Like, I'd rather you look at me and be like, yeah, that's a good-looking tree over there. I'm like, thank you, because if you could see me clearly, I, I don't look good. Uh, but, I mean, that I think that's a great – it's an encouragement to me as, a, as a, just a human that, that God's like, I, you may not be able to fully – maybe you can't comprehend fully if I let you see everything right now. Hmm. So I'm going to let you see a little bit. I'm going to let you see sure. some figures, but eventually you'll get to see fully – um, you know, Dylan, you and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast with like some of your former church hurt where you've come out of, um, there were some moments where it wasn't real clear, but you trusted. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a big part of it, right? It's just learning to, to trust in the blurry moments, I guess. Yeah. Well, because and- I mean, my, like my knee jerk, I've, I've shared this before a little bit, like my knee jerk, whenever I, you know, left out of my last church was like, it wasn't even a prayer at the time. It was just like, God, I'm done. It wasn't a prayer. It wasn't a question. It was a statement of God. I'm done with the church. Like I'll go to church, and I'm still gonna, you know, live for you. But I, I can't work for another church ever again. And through that, um, I don't know. God just really got through to me and <clears throat> made me kind of start seeing through some of the the blurriness of you're done when I say you're done. Um, because it became this thing that I couldn't I couldn't really continue to walk away from in a way that I felt good about. Um, there was no, I think you'll understand this. There there was no release from it. Like, I felt like no matter what else I did, there was still something else that I was supposed to be doing. So it's like, you know, whenever, 
it's like whenever you're a little kid and your parents leave you at home alone and it sounds great because you can play PlayStation or you can, you know, eat junk food or whatever. But for me, at least, like there was kind of this this tension of like, I can't enjoy doing any of those things until I've done the list of chores that mom left me. Right. You know, which you're going to do the five minutes before she comes home when you realize you didn't do any of them. Exactly. Like when she's like, hey, pull out chicken for dinner. And you're like out of the freezer and you're like, <laughs> sure. And then she calls you like, you pull it out and you're like, uh oh. Then you're running hot water under the sink over it to try to get by. We're not having chicken for dinner. We're not. If we are, it's going to be really cold. It's going to be cold chicken. Um, So, so Jeremy, the name of our podcast is The Make. And our podcast, the the whole premise of this podcast is um, taking our people from being Sunday takers to everyday makers. That we're going to go make disciples, be difference makers. Um, So in lieu of this kingdom first mentality, this kingdom first idea, you are not currently a pastor on a church staff. Correct. Correct. Um, So... What that means is you you have probably become the epitome of what our podcast is about, um, that you're out being an everyday maker. You are spending time um, on the other side of the line, if you will, mm-hmm. um, in the culture around us. Um, and there's really two ways right now. You talked about, I know you talked about, I can't remember if you talked about both of them Sunday. I know you talked about at least one with your podcast um, with Jeff, which by the way, I love Jeff. He, he looks like a Muppet. <laughs> he acts like a Muppet. His voice is Muppet-esque. I, I love listening to him. It's it's a mix between Kermit the Frog and... Um, and the Swedish uh, chef. Jordan Peterson. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. That's a true statement. You need uh, you need to let him know that if graphic design doesn't work out for him, he's definitely got a future with uh, the Disney company voicing some Muppets. Oh, yeah, dude. With that coming from Captain Disney, you look like a Disney character right now. I don't know if I want to take that as a compliment because I know you didn't mean it as a compliment. Um, <laughs> Just take it as like a I compliment. Know, I know it was an insult, but thank you. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, <laughs> so you, there's two things you're doing right now that I think now, if you're a, if you're a staunch church person, this <laughs> you're is probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> that's probably true too, <laughs> but this, this would be hard for some really staunch religious people. So I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hypothetically. I, I know some of them. Most of them are not here. Um, so talk to me about what you're doing, because I think it is massively unique. Here, let me set, let me tee it up for you. You have a business card that you give people. Mm-hmm. You, have a, you have a company called Communion Wine Co., and you are known as the wine pastor. Mm-hmm. So that's intriguing. Yeah. The heck is a wine pastor? Is it W H I N E or is it <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> pastor people that whine. I feel maybe that should be all our definite. I'm a wine pastor. Yes, I, you're whining. Come here, let me pastor. Pastor me. of whining. Yeah. So that came out of this idea of you know can we merge some space together that's that's a little less traditional than normal. So we bring people together around wine to experience Jesus in new ways. So that's the whole idea. And so the wine pastor was the logical way to explain that kind of weird, bizarre marriage of those two ideas. And, you know, I, as a pastor, when I get on an airplane and sit next to someone, you know, 10 minutes in, hey, what do you yeah. do for work? I'm a pastor of a church. And, it, you know, just immediately every time you see their demeanor change, they apologize for their language. Or they put their headphones on. Or they put their, yeah, and they're done. They're, <laughs> they're done. Out. They're done. Yeah. At a minimum, walls usually go up. Like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to be guarded. And I just always hated that. And so I was like, how can I explain to someone, you know, from an elevator pitch point of view, like real quickly where they wouldn't just write it off. And so when I say now, I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a wine pastor. Every single time. Yeah, what does that mean? A what? I, I got to know about this. And so it's like not even me 
like, can I, can I tell you about Camino Wico? No, it's like, they, they need to know. They need to, how on earth are you doing this? And so to me, I just love the idea of like leading out of curiosity. You're the CWE, chief wine evangelist. You know what? I'll take that. I got Ooh, you. I, got I you. like that. Yeah. That's what your business card should say. CWE and then right after wine tax pastor. the rest onto the end. You should yeah. give yourself your own letters. Get your, <laughs> people are like the wine pastor CWE. What's, what's, what is what? your degree? Uh, CWE. Um, what, what does that mean? <laughs> so, so how do you get to be a wine pastor? How did that come to be? Because you you were in Portland. Yeah, I was I was a lead pastor. And is it? Are you comfortable sharing what happened in Portland? Yeah, we'll go thirty thousand foot. Yeah, go thirty. We won't go in details, but go yeah. thirty thousand foot. I, I, we would need more time than the podcast we, allows. Oh, yeah, we don't have enough. I don't think we have enough space on the SD card to get us there today. <laughs> <laughs> So at a, you know, at a church out there that we loved, thought I was going to retire there. I absolutely love Oregon, still love it to this day. And, you know, during COVID 2020, everything kind of gets gnarly. Everybody's not meeting the way we normally were. So tension's already high to begin with. Then everything with George Floyd happens and Portland became one of the kind of epicenters of that conversation. Yeah. You know, some protests, some, you know, nonviolent, some violent, and just everybody in the community seemed to be talking about it. And I just felt like that's the time we lean in as the church and go, what do we do here? Yeah. What, what does it mean for us to be the church to this community? You mean take a biblical stance on a cultural issue? Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. that that'll work. And, and I was, <laughs> there was not a collective agreement on that. And uh, the, the, the message I was told by, you know, some of the powers that be was essentially, we just need you to preach Jesus. What they meant by that is stay in the Bible, stop applying it to the things that are to happening To the culture around us. around us. Yeah. And my thought is like, okay, Jesus is always, you know, in in lieu of the 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 marginalized, the vulnerable. That's literally but wasn't, Matthew fifteen. Wasn't I mean? Jesus always in the midst of culture? Yeah, that's why they killed him, bringing hope and good news. So I literally was like, I don't know how you can look at Jesus and not look at the people that Jesus is looking at, which is always right. the hurt, the vulnerable, the who's getting oppressed, who's getting overlooked, who's getting neglected, right? Right, always. And so the chance, the the challenge for any of us as Christians, like. Who are the people that Jesus is focused on right now that I may not be focused on because I, it doesn't affect me. And I just felt like this is a time to lean in. They did not agree. And so uh, I was basically given kind of an ultimatum, not kind of, I was given an ultimatum, like you need to stop talking about this stuff. You need to take a break for a while. Let all the divisions calm down. Then you can come back and you can preach your, you know, your sermons. So I said, uh, no, thanks. I'm not, I'm not interested in that kind of ministry. I resigned. And it was my wife actually prompting me going, okay, before you just dive back into another church, let's figure out for you. you Were know? you thinking about going back to the church? Oh yeah. Well, that's why. That's what I, you know. All my experience, right. you know, all, you know, I have a master's degree in theology. I have a undergrad degree in church ministry. I have, you know, all these. You're actually, you're this. actually a professor as well. Yeah. I, te- I teach ministry courses online yeah. for up and coming pastors. And Sounds so I was good. like, yeah, that's what I know. It's what's that's my world. Yeah. And I had multiple offers from different churches. In fact, one of the coolest things, um, and I don't, I've not really shared this publicly, but this is this was super cool. To You're me. hearing it here first, world. It might actually be. Uh, one of the guys in Portland who is, by many, considered to be like one of the godfathers of the church in Portland, just because Portland is not known for a, you know, prominent church right. community. Right. But there's been some churches that have really had a foothold for a long time. This this guy's one of them theologically, he and I would not be in the same camp, okay? Um, but he reached out to me after I resigned, and he said, hey, here's the deal. Your church is trying to discredit you right now, you know, to, to help make this make sense, but we need your voice in Portland. So what I'm willing to do is I will rally all of the churches in Portland behind you, and we will help you launch something new in Portland. Wow. 
from a guy that, again, wow. theologically is not in my camp. Is that recent? No, no. Or that, was that then? That was then. Really? And that blew me away. Like, that was, like, just, you know, those moments where That's God kingdom. just encourages you. That's kingdom. Oh, that was so cool. And, again, he's not saying it because I'm going to go plant a church like his church. Well, he knows you're not. He knows, right? And he's like, no, but we need this. Like, he, he, he literally said to me, you just proved the kind of voice that you have as a pastor, and we need more of that. And so that was, like, so cool. That's probably the most I entertained it, you know, going. God confirmation, though. Like, oh, so encouraging. Um, and so we prayed about it. Like, all right, God, are you asking us to do this? And ultimately just didn't feel like that's where God was leading us, like, yeah. not back into it. So then, you know, my wife's like, well, what do you want to do? And I got a little sarcastic at it. Wait, you were sarcastic. I was, I, I can be. I know that's, <laughs> that's why we're friends, dude. You know it. No, really, I'm being sarcastic right now. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so I said, well, I don't know. I love talking to people about Jesus. I love wine because the Oregon wine scene had won me over. And I said, and I love the Pacific Northwest. And I knew I was going to move back to Arizona and I was ticked about it. So I'm like, what is that? There's and, perspective. I was in Ohio and could not wait to move to Arizona. Oh, I love, I love Oregon. Yeah. I'm, it's beautiful. I'm the weird guy that loves the rain, loves the, loves the culture, loves everything, loves the weirdness. Right. And so that became community Winco. And now we get to literally create these experiences and dude, What's been so cool is, you know, this weekend was the first chance we, we, we got, I'll brag on you for a moment, in Pantano, the first chance we had a church-sponsored communion event. Yeah. Well, and here's what cool, oh, here's what cool, I, apparently I just lost all ability to talk the last <laughs> Words two Words are hard. Words are hard. I don't talk good. Um, we, what you, so what Jeremy does is like, this is brilliant in my mind because, if you're at Pantano, you know that I tell our people all the time, like, you got to go where people are. Don't expect them to come to us. That's just kind well, of a... Well, that's the value. Right. That's our that's our mantra of the gospel is go go and make, not sit and take. That's the the make podcast. That's why it's called The Make. And what I, I'll never forget when you were dropping this idea with our group of guys. Like, you were like, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And we were all like, like I ain't going to lie. I had a little FOMO. I was like, God, I got to figure out how to be a part of this. <laughs> And you, and you, in essence, were like, I don't know, I want to, originally it was, I want to get a house in Portland and wine country and bring in groups and pastors and, and people that are hurting or people that are excited or don't know the gospel and do these wine tours where we do wine and gospel at the same time. And I was like, man, that's brilliant. Then, then now you have partnered mm-hmm. with a guy in Gilbert, because you're in the Phoenix area, this, and I've been to this guy's wine bar. Yeah. He's, he's not a Christian. <laughs> no. Now, okay, this is okay. Don't don't miss what we're talking about right now because now he is taking something cultural and moving it with a gospel bent. So you go to this guy, like you went to countless like wine bars, like hey, I want to do these events. Yeah, you actually kind of found opposition not just from Christians but from the non Christians too, didn't you? Yeah, because they realized, you know, this idea we're we're trying to create this neutral space that doesn't make sense to either group, right? So we go to a church and say, hey, can we bring in wine? And do a wine event at your church? Like, oh, no, we don't have alcohol on our campus. You know, like, that would be, like, that doesn't fit. We go to a bar. Hey, can we have an event at your bar and talk about Jesus? They're like, no, we've met Christians before. No, thank (laughs) you. Like, we're not interested. So when they found out what we were doing, there's just a ton of skepticism. Like, we don't really want that. And so literally, you know, kind of like what Jesus did with the disciples. Like, I I need to find a person of peace. Like, I need to find... Jesus, who's that person that's going to be this partner for us that will open the door? And started praying about that and then met, you know, my buddy uh, Clayton. And, you know, he's just this kind of crazy dude. He's got his own crazy journey with God and, you know, not really positive. And uh, he's like, yeah, you, you can kind of you know, do this. Originally, it was like on his patio. He's like, yeah, 
you know? And then the first time we did it, he goes, you, you had a lot of people there. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, there's there's a lot of people interested in this kind of a conversation. And he, <laughs> I'll never forget, he goes, if I, if I gave you the inside bar, do you think more people would come? I'm like, yeah, yeah, more people would come. So he goes, all right, next month, I'll close early. And let's let's see. So the guy shuts down his business. So for he you. closes early, closes his bar early. And here's what's crazy: for me to try to replicate this on my own would be hard because this guy has got an entire bar <laughs> of wine and beer, and you know, and so people can get there, they can order food, they can do all this. I would not be able to replicate this in my house, which is what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm gonna have to just do this out of my house until right. we can figure this out. And then I find this incredible dude that's like, yeah, we're willing to do this. And this guy loves it. And I incorporate him at, at the tasting events where he gets up on the mic. And originally he was like petrified because that's not what he does. And I'm like, hey, just tell people about wine. And this guy is a wino and in all the best way. Not not snobby, but just like, I like the way he talks about wine. And this yeah. is how he and I initially, this is what our friendship was built on. Like we both love wine, love these stories. And so I was like, hey, why don't you, I want them to hear from you. Like you tell them about why you love this wine. So we do these custom wine flights and I'm like, all right, wine number one, tell them why you love it. And he, he starts to, and people are like, I don't even like wine and I can't wait to try this. Cause he's just, yeah. he's just passionate about it. And you're like, this is cool. And then now, you know, he and I have gotten used to this like back and forth and you know, then I'll get in between and I'll you know, do either do Q and A or do these things. And we do these events together. And he came out with me this weekend, which I could not believe. And I was like, so cool, man. Hey, would, would you want to go to Tucson? You know, like, there's probably no way. He's like, yeah, that would be awesome. So, like, God continues to open doors. And that's on just this front. I don't think I've even told you this, Trevor. This is another thing. Breaking news again? Breaking news. I'm breaking this to Gosh, you. Gosh, man, we're breaking all sorts of stuff today. Uh, this is cool. Yeah. I don't know if anything's going to come of this. This is just one of those... Maybe this is a really cool door. I had a guy reach out to me on LinkedIn. You do wow. Lot, do you do a lot of LinkedIn? I'm on there. Yeah, I thought, that's how I was. I'm like, recently, I'm going to give it more, more time. Glad I did. This guy reached out to me. He runs this marketing agency, which I won't name because I don't know how this is going to play out. Runs a marketing agency where they focus on Christian companies. Okay, so they do branding, ad design, all of this, storytelling for nonprofit Christians and or Christian companies and for-profit. And he goes, hey, we're looking. We do all these events with our clients. And he goes, I want to have more of an experience when I do these offsite events. And he does these events all over the country, right? And he goes, could I hire you? Yes. To come in <laughs> and do like this wine and Jesus part of the weekend? Bro. I'm like, uh, yeah. So we're literally, he's coming into Phoenix next week. We're going to go have a glass of wine together Dude. and talk about that. But I'm like, that could be. Truly just incredible how these doors keep opening. And he's and he basically said, like, no one's doing what you're doing. We're literally, he was like, we were trying to design this. And then someone came across Community Wine Club. They're like, these guys are already doing it. They've already figured out how to, like, host these conversations, these spaces. So it's just been really cool to, like, God's favor of even this weekend to me, you know, we had an event last Monday that was just a regular event. And I told everybody, I said, Hey guys, our church, our first church sponsored wine event is happening <laughs> this weekend. And that crowd is primarily a non-church. We have obviously church people there, but primarily people who don't go to church. And dude, it was like, you could, you could feel the reaction in the room and it was the best reaction possible where it gave them a good data point of the local church. Well, and, and, and we didn't we didn't do it on our campus like we didn't host it right, here because right. I I think again the best place to meet people is where people are so we we got this private location and it was it's gorgeous it's all right it, it'll do donkey <laughs> it'll do um, it's actually it, it was built as a French chateau from Normandy yep in Tucson 
Um, it and, looks like a French and chateau. It is it should because the guy that built it um, sent his architect to France to find the chateau to get the plans for and bring it back here and replicate it and build it. And it's beautiful. I mean, the setting was beautiful. Um, we had about 50 people there. Mm. And here's what it was great. Um, we had people bring their ones. And there were people exposed to Jesus that will not walk in the church, but walked on a back patio at a French chateau in Tucson. To have a custom wine flight. To have a custom wine flight and hear about Jesus. Yep. And, and I, I know that I grew up in a church environment where I know some of you hearing this are cringing a little bit. You're like, wait, can we do that? Um, first of all, nobody left there in any kind of inebriated state. In fact, it's the antithesis of that. And the teaching that you do um, around the gospel and wine, like when you, even the process of wine, and you talk about the process of wine, the pressing, and then Jesus, and you're just like, on the, I'm sitting there as a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, a communicator. I'm like, this is brilliant. And I'm watching people that don't know Jesus going, oh, mm-hmm. that's what that means. And I'm seeing people that do know Jesus, they're going, huh, I never understood that. It's really funny when you when you teach on like John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. Most people aren't picturing a vine. Right. Because <laughs> they don't spend a lot of time around vines, right? But if you get someone into a vineyard, then you talk about John 15, I promise you, because I've done it, it comes to life. And they go, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about? Yeah. And then you talk about the pruning in that chapter. I'm like, let me explain to you winemaking, how you make good wine and how you prune it. Oh, that's what, I mean, literally it's like these images that Jesus used come to life for people. And one of my favorite, and we, we usually use this story on Friday nights when we do these retreats is we, we just start with John two, which is Jesus' first miracle, the gospel of John. And he, he makes wine when they drank all the wine at the party, all the wine's gone. And Jesus, Jesus comes in hot with round two, which is funny. Cause his mom's like, Hey, Jesus, make it happen. Well, he tells her no. Yeah. And then she just says, do whatever he tells <laughs> she you. She goes full mom. She's like, oh, it's so good. I love that. It's so human. It's so good. And he, yeah, he had, he had a mom. He had the yeah, mom dynamic. She went full mom. Like, <laughs> just do what he tells you. I, lo- I love that she just, like, yeah, she ignores him, looks yeah. at the host, like, whatever he tells you to do, just do it next. Like, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But literally, he knows that begins the countdown to the cross. That's the moment. And so I think what Jesus is weighing through is not, is this a good idea? He's thinking, is now the right time? Right. Do I want to begin this clock? Because from that moment on, the clock is ticking. People are watching, and he's going to go to the cross. And what I love about that story, and again, it gets, it gets absurd when you get into the details. Of course. Uh, fun fact, do you guys know how many bottles of wine Jesus made? What would be the equivalent to that? Oh, we've had this conversation. Dang, I can't remember. Dylan, you? I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I want to know. Make up a number. Just say it for fun. 71. Okay, that's great. Okay, what's your number? I can't remember. Okay, now remember. You have to make a number. Uh, but I know the number. I just can't remember the number because we've had this conversation. <laughs> look, at, look at him squirm out of this, Dylan. Come on. I'm not squirming out of nothing. <laughs> make a number. Make a number. I'll put it on Twitter. What is that? <laughs> I've not heard of that. I've heard of something different. I've heard, yep. I've heard of something else. Yeah, all y'all can check your face. Okay, so I want you to think. You're, <laughs> at, a, you're at a wedding party. Yeah. Been planned in advance. Hundreds they, of people. They allocate wine for those. I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding before. Yes. The wine is already allocated. Like, we, we're going to make sure we have enough for the event. Right. So they have drank through all of that, which how many, how many it's bottles be hundreds were there? Yeah, tons of that, right? Yeah. Then at the end of that, Jesus makes, if you do the math in the text, and whenever we do these events, I break it down of how I get there. So for a second time, trust me. But you can do the, the, the math. It would be the equivalent today of 900 bottles of wine. 
You were close, Dylan. Dylan, when's the last time you went to a party that had 900 bottles of wine at it? If I said last Saturday, would that make me look like a bad person? <laughs> It'd make me want to be your friend. <laughs> he didn't tell you it was it, like... No, never. I mean, that's, that's an crazy. absurd amount. That's yeah. an absurd amount. But here's what I love. At the end of that story, you know what John says? And this was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory. Wow. That's the so what of the story. Yeah. It wasn't cool party trick, Jesus. It wasn't, man, we got wasted. Although I suspect probably a few people got wasted that night, which yeah. put that in your theology and process it. The point, though, that John says is after that night, people went, oh, that was the glory of God we just saw, which is rad. And I, I just want to make the point <laughs> to anybody who's a little uncomfortable. If John, the writer of the gospel, can say that Jesus making 900 bottles of wine for a party that drank all the wine allotted was the way that Jesus revealed his glory, would it not be possible for the glory of God to be revealed at a communion wine co event? Oh, that's good. See what, see what I did there? 900 bottles of wine. That's your elevator pitch. <laughs> that's the story. Um, hey, speaking of, Dylan, I think you know what time it is. I think it's coffee time. Oh, it is time. It's, it's past time. It's actually probably 20 minutes past time, but this conversation is so good. Now, Jeremy, we, we've talked a little bit prior to this. Now, those of you who don't know, we actually had your dad on here. How long ago was Cal on here? Oh, early on in season one. October, right? No, it was season two. I th- mm. It was last. When, when did we start season two? Is this season two? This what season year. are we in? <laughs> this is season two. Some disagreement on the pod. Season two. <laughs> yeah, it was late season one. Then. It was it was before Christmas. So I I prep Cal as we're walking over. I'm like, hey, we do this coffee time thing, and he, he was like, okay, good. And I, he's like, what do we do? We talk about coffee. We talk about the nuance of coffee. We love coffee. We, no, no word of a lie. He got over here and he's like, what is this? And he sat down and I this start coffee. And I start the segment and I was like, Hey, we're gonna go to coffee time. And your dad sat right where you're sitting and was like, What what are we doing right now? And I was like, What? For, for the listeners, this is me giving my surprise face. Oh. Sounds a lot like your sarcastic face. <laughs> they're very they're very, <laughs> they're very connected. Similar. Uh, so I did I did prep Jeremy coming into this and and I remember that. Thank I you. know what we're doing Good, because right it was about an hour ago. So I appreciate you remembering that. Um, your dad had like 15 minutes to forget it. I yeah. gave you an hour. Um, but it, so what we do is we, Dylan and I like coffee. And we think coffee, much like wine for you. Uh, I've had some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life over coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nuance of coffee, um, like the process of coffee, uh, where a bean is grown, where a bean is is harvested, what region it's in, all these kind of things elevation it, it matters it's like a like a grape it, you went to france last year with your wife yeah. uh, which i'm i know is fantastic like you but by the way dylan i don't know if you know this you you're a sommelier as well mm-hmm. you went and got licensed yeah um what level what so there's lots of different criteria but we did the w w set level two so that means he's smart that's all that means and it's really hard too isn't it oh my gosh I mean, I have a master's degree in theology, and that was a cakewalk compared to getting <laughs> wine certified, just for the record. I don't know what that says about wine or theology, but that's been my experience. All I know is when you were telling us about it at our group, and you were like, I had to be able to smell and know before it ever touched my tongue mm-hmm. that where what region and the tannins, and I was like, bro, that's intense, man. Like, just let me go preach. Uh, uh, that's way easier. Um, so that's the way you feel about the process of wine is kind of how we feel about coffee. And so we have coffee given to us. We buy coffee. We we like coffee. We're coffee guys. So Dylan, I know you had some thoughts on this. 
yeah well i know what we usually do with coffee time is kind of talk about the coffee we're drinking um coffee that we've been liking recently um so we can touch on that on the back end of this but i jeremy i am like super curious um like i like wine and i enjoy wine i just haven't like i'm more of uh like like the thing that i'm passionate about like trevor said is coffee but I do know from one of the coffee shops that I helped run um, a while back, we served wine at night. And so there's kind of a um, there's kind of a, a familiar a familiar uh, familiarity between that what you're trying to say familiarity. It, yeah. It's it's tough, man. I got Words you. are tough. Words are hard. Um, I know you're speaking. You're preaching to the choir right now. Do we want to talk about yours? Um, nope, we don't keep going. You want to you want to move right past that? Yep, OK, sure do. Um, so. I know that there's a relationship um, as far as like tasting and mm. things like that to go with coffee and wine. And I know a little bit of it from when we served wine. What like, first of all, I guess I should say, do you like coffee? Is that even something that you're into? Yes, but I, I, I would say I'm not at the I'm not at the elite level that you guys are. And when so Trevor gave me a nice, a nice little little glass of coffee here. And I, I just said, hey, I'm going to have to say something to you that's going to hurt you a little bit. I'm like, do, do you have creamer and some sugar? And I just said, I know this oh. is hard. I know. Because I know that, you know, real coffee, guys, it's like I just want it straight. Just nothing. I want to taste it. And I, I'm not there. Um, which I would tell you this. So before we get into the nuances of coffee or wine, here's, here's one of the things I say at our events. Is you can make wine super compl complicated, and we can get into stories and nuances and all this. But at the end of the day, this really comes down to two things: there are wines you like and wines you don't like. And I say, I like th that. That's the most important thing. And if you forget that, you're going to ruin your 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 wine experience. So yeah, we can talk about the nuances. But to me, I would say the same thing. At the end of the day, there are coffees I like, coffees I don't like, right? And you know, uh, I had my my Starbucks cold brew this morning big a big uh cold brew guy and uh that was yeah. great in the snow <laughs> let's not talk about that either uh, not the cold brew the snow i'm so bitter about it i did not move to arizona for snow i love it because because you're I from arizona Phoenix and we don't get much of it so i was a little i was a little confused when i woke up i'm not gonna lie i thought i had had a bad nightmare and i was in back in the midwest <laughs> <laughs> so i would say i would say i have found coffees i like they would not impress anyone on this podcast you know what's interesting is you live in queen creek mm -hmm. and we've got a couple coffee shops near him gilbert queen creek that area that, yeah that we love what yeah the first coffee shop that me and my wife actually had our, our first date in is mythical coffee um and gilbert um really so good if you, you want to if you want to check out a really great shop with some really great people um that, that has really good coffee uh, mythical is sounds like it's right in your neighborhood now you're you're living now though in kind of our coffee mecca yeah, um, there's two two really great shops um, that I have recommended on the show several times, uh, James Coffee and Bird Rock Coffee. Well, you and, James is what connected you and I. Yeah, that was our that was our common thread. So what what is your what's your go to there right now? Now that you're living in proximity. Oh, you think that I go often? Yes, because I see your Instagram. <laughs> By the way, at Dylan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Dylan, it's, it's, it's Dylan Mitchell minus the vowels. Yeah. My, and there's an underscore, isn't there? D Dylan minus the vowels underscore Mitchell minus the vowels. Don't type minus the you vowels, know, by the way. Just leave the vowels well, out. It's a really long username. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, 
Yeah, I have gone, uh, admittedly, quite a lot. Um, my in-laws actually drove Melissa's car over to us um, and brought some stuff that we couldn't fit in the car and we didn't have the movers pack. So they actually just left today. Um, but I took them to James for the first time and I, I think they enjoyed it. Um, they, if they didn't, then they didn't tell me they didn't. So I and appreciate then, that. And then Bird Rock's um, the other one, right? Bird Rock is the other one, which, so the Navy base that we're staying on right now until we get into our townhome um, is in Point Loma. And we're about five-ish miles from Little Italy right now. Um, Little and there is a, there's a James location in Little Italy and a Bird Rock location just literally on the opposite corner. So instead so, of a coffee crawl, you do a coffee sprint every day. I just do a coffee hop. Yeah. Yeah. Little Italy. I, I live with my wife's Italian. I She's kind of little. It's like little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys come over, you can take her there and see, you know, which one is actually real. Okay. I, okay. When you get in the, in the townhouse. I've, I've figured out what I want you to name my room. I want it to yeah. be the, the sweet tea, like, like for tea and the sweet. Uh, that's what I want it to be. Cause you called it the DeVage cage last time. Like, yeah, you, I think that's more adequate. He, so the guest room, they're giving me my own guest room and I want a plaque on it. So when people come, they know it's mine, not anybody else's. Wow. And he called it the DeVage cage. And I'm like, that, that sounds like WWF back in the day or cage match. Um, Seems to fit you more though than it does. Name. Not it's you're not I'm gonna have to go with Dillian on this. I will say last if you li- I went listened to our last episode with Frank, <laughs> and, and I Frank was on and I told Frank he was like I'll come and stay. I was like you can't stay in the guest room. That's my room. And instead of Dylan saying you could sleep on the couch, you could sleep on an air mattress. He's like you could sleep in the garage, Frank. And I was like wow, <laughs> you went right to the garage. Like you didn't offer him a couch. You didn't. Uh, so he booted him out of Look, my place. I. I all of this to say we're just very excited to have a garage. We've never had a garage, well, so well, the garage is an honor to us. Ironically, you live in a state where you won't need it much. That's for sure. Well, then the fact you had a car stolen earlier this year. Yeah, no, we just we would like to lock our yeah. cars in a safe place. His car got stolen, and his wife's steering wheel got stolen. Wow. Yeah, it's a good time in Tucson. Yeah, well, you lived in the Sabino hood, <laughs> so. <yeah. laughs> uh, so... You're you're really close to two of our favorite coffee shops. Now, today, what I got here for us, what are you drinking today, by the way, over there? Um, so while I was in Nashville like two or three weeks ago, um, I picked up a bag from Brass Horn. Um, it's a Guatemalan coffee, tasting notes, uh, lemon, lime, and sugar cane cola. Wow. That that sounds it's like really a, good. Sounds lemon like- lime does not seem like a coffee flavor. That's no, 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 not it's lemon, a, lime, lemon and lime. Lemon and lime. It's a tasting note. So it would be based off of where it was grown, the soil it was in, the tasting notes of what it was grown in. Um, so I've got, I've got the EXO. So the region is Guatemala. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. So I did. I gave him the last of the EXO today from here in Tucson, and they roast, and it's their African coffee. It's, a, you're, it's just you're right up your alley because it's a yerga chaff. Um, and it's, it's really, really, for me, it's really, really good. Now, you've doctored yours up a little bit, but how was it? It was hot. Well, of course, it's coffee. I, I didn't <laughs> no, but like I didn't realize how hot you you made it. Like I burnt myself a little bit. It was really piping hot. So gotta, I, I've only been sipping on it because whatever cup I have this in is very well insulated. It's our actually shameless plug. If you go to the Pantano store, holy cow, does that <laughs> cup work? It's the Kingdom First Pantano mug. Yeah, and, uh, it'll keep it. It'll keep it hot. Yeah, it will, and it'll keep cold things cold. But it now it once it cools down a little bit though, um, as you've been sipping, it on was it, it was once I can 
not burn me, it's good. Did you get your taste buds back? <laughs> I'm hoping they grow back. <laughs> um, uh, and that's, again, that's the thing. Like what, what Jeremy said about wine a little bit ago, same thing with once you find a coffee that you like, um, you know what you like and you know what you don't like. So we actually, so we do usually like Starbucks in the morning and then we, uh, uh, this place in the Northwest called Cafe Ladro. We buy beans and we have a little machine at home. We make it and we've, same thing, found like we really like that flavor. Yeah. Okay, but I, I want to get, I want to get your guys' take on something. Okay. And this could go bad for me or good. I don't know. I was in France and I tried a coffee that blew me away and I never had it before. I never even heard of it. Apparently it's a thing. I just, I just, this is not my world, so I didn't know. But you guys probably have strong opinions on this. Okay. So I don't remember what it was called, but I think it was an espresso with a ice cream scoop. Oh. You know bro. what I'm talking about? Yes, I what do. is that called? Yes. Um, hold on. They, they actually serve it over at I Frost. Uh, yeah, Afogato, Afogato. Yes. Thank you. So we saw that, and I'm like, what is that? You know, we're like it's we're so good. translating it. And so they make it for us, and it kind of blew me away. It's really good. It's, if it's done right, it's really good. Yeah. Okay. This this was in, I mean, this is a little, you know, actually in, town Tuc- in France. In Tucson, they do it at Frost. Yeah. And it's really good. I've okay. never had it there. But so I didn't yeah, know if I, I was going to get made fun of. of no, like, no, 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 no. You no. made a coffee milkshake. No, 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 no. Okay. Because that's not a coffee milkshake. They didn't put it in a blender. Um, the, but I've actually, when I was in Italy, they do something very similar. And um, they take a scoop of like vanilla gelato with espresso. Um, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it, it blew me it's, away. It'll kind of change your life a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, just, I have like vividly remember walking on the street, you know, in France, eating this. And I'm like, whoa. Here, <laughs> like, here, this how, is incredible. Here's how I feel. Like ice cream, good. Espresso, Good. Put them together. Fantastic. So what's interesting to me, and this is this is definitely true of tasting wine, that sometimes it's the pairing right. of something that allows you to taste it differently. And so, you know, we talk about this in like in wine. There are certain things like if you if you were to, you know, uh, taste a sugar packet right before you drank a wine, your wine would taste awful. Right. Because the sugar would would thwart that taste. But if you were to take like a little squirt of lemon juice right before, your wine will taste even better. Interesting. So there's things that definitely, you know, play off your taste buds. And to me, like, if you gave me straight espresso, I would try to sip on it. It would probably take me a while. Yeah. But espresso well, with that scoop of vanilla or whatever it was, I was like, okay, this is just, for me at least, yeah. the perfect pairing. Yeah. What were you going to say, Dylan? So, so very similarly, um, here's a history lesson for you. Um, I know, Trevor, you love your Americanos. Yes. And I definitely have like the times where I, that's what I want. Um, like we've talked about our, our default Starbucks orders. I'll get a blonde Americano with four shots. Um, but, and there's a lot of coffee people that enjoy Americanos. However, if you were to go to Italy, you would probably be teased for liking the Americano because yeah. the Americano finds its origin in Italy. Um, I, like World War II, I think basically uh, American soldiers that were stationed in Italy didn't like how strong the espresso was right. um and so they tried to to recreate drip coffee basically and they did that by taking the espresso that they were getting in italy and mixing it with hot water and watering it down um yeah. and watering it down so that's something that now is very americanized and we love um but also something that if you went somewhere else they'd probably make fun of you for it so it's it's back to what you were saying, Jeremy. Like you know what you like, you know what you don't like, and a lot of people really enjoy an americano. I enjoy an americano, but you know, I just really we like that story. Italy, we'd get Holy teased. Cow. It's good, isn't it? I've never heard that story, and I'm I'm here for it. Well, the interesting thing <laughs> for me is though, Dylan. Like I've been to Italy, I've been to Greece, 
uh, been to Spain, uh, those areas of the world. When I'm over there, I don't want an Americano because they know how to make it, especially well, in Italy. After I heard Absolutely. that story, I'm not going to order one. Especially in Italy. <laughs> like every day when we were in Italy, we would stop at this little cafe, especially in Florence when we were there. And I would get a cappuccino. I'm not a cappuccino. You know me. Like, but their, their cappuccinos were fantastic. So I just was like, cappuccino, a boy up. And, um, or I would just get, you know, straight up espresso in the afternoon because you know yeah. we're, we're walking all over the place we're tired um and i would get i'd just be like pull me two shots of espresso you know and you're getting it in your little espresso mug and man i'd take those two shots Dude, we had that in in our israel trip at that one oh yeah and i could not do it i ordered one it, and i just couldn't it, it wasn't the same there just okay. so you know just so well, you that know. makes me feel better because i coffee, felt i felt like a, like a, shamed Israel is such a huge part of the Italian culture. Israel's not really the first place you think of when you think coffee. Sure. You know, now, if I were getting olive oil, I were getting soaps, I were getting, <laughs> if I wanted to smell good and eat some good falafel. I've had some good wine in, in uh, Israel, actually. I Yes, true statement. Uh, what, hey, what was the name of that restaurant in Israel we went to? The American, the, what was that place? That We were going to go to Jericho and we didn't, and we yeah, went there instead. It's where the uh, hymn was written. It was something American, something or the American, or the, maybe it was the American. It, it was, might have just it's been the American. Such a cool place. That was a cool place. I like that you and I just took a journey by ourselves. Dylan's like, <laughs> I still don't know what you're talking about. Um, but again, it's very re- like wine, coffee, everything's very regionally based. And so, if if you understand the region you're in, whether it's wine, whether it's coffee, whether it's food, like I, it, it's always amazing me when people are in some place that's known for seafood and they're like, um, I'll have chicken. Like, why? <laughs> you're on the Mediterranean Sea. Like, this is what they specialize in. Or or if you're in the middle of the Midwest on a cattle farm, it's like, I'll have the fish. Why? That, that's Long John Silver. Get away from that. Like, go get yourself a steak, yeah. you know? Um, if you're if you're in a place that's known, like France, which was like Mecca for you as a wine guy, yeah. um, Italy for me with coffee. Actually, when I was in Africa, some of the best coffee I've had was in Africa. Um Dominican mm. Republic, I always get good coffee there. Um, Honduras, when I was down there. Honduras. Coffee. I mean, great coffee. Ecuador, um, those areas. Uh, but again, all these things regionally based, but you can taste the different regions, like of coffee. Okay, let me ask thing. you this, though. Yeah. How much do you guys think, because I definitely know the answer to this in wine. How much do you think the experience of where you're drinking your coffee affects how it tastes to you? So, you get any of these places you just named, or you think of like your yeah. favorite coffee bar you have it there versus you try to replicate that same thing at home is it the same thing for you at home or there's something to experiencing it in the place oh i think place matters but i all matters for sure but i also know that because you and i care about process of how coffee is made so you you know i know your house looks a lot like my house or my office i always joke it looks like a coffee meth lab because i've just got every way you can make coffee um, so I want, once I see what their process is, where I go, where I was I like wondering why my coffee was blue today. That's <laughs> true. It's true. I, I <laughs> used, breaking bad I used a you. test tube for you. I want to do a, a spinoff called brewing bad and redo the entire opening sequence, except making coffee of that, that would, show. That would be cool. And then just standing in the desert with a cup of coffee and the Walter White shirt. In your underwear. <laughs> in your underwear. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry for the mental uh, picture, everybody. Yeah, sorry you guys got that. Um, uh. but, but I do think that once Cause then I go and I'm like, okay, how did they make that here? I go, I've got all the accoutrements to make it with. So I'll go home and try to replicate totally. the flavor. Um, but can't do it. the space matters. 
See, isn't that so weird? Because scientifically, that doesn't really make sense to me. Right. You know what I mean? But if you say about wine, if you have wine in a in a vineyard, <laughs> it does not taste the same as if you pour a bottle at your house. And it can be no. the exact same bottle. Right. And there's just something that I, I find fascinating. The other element to that, I would say, wine tastes different with friends. Sure. And I would suspect you'd say the same about coffee. Enjoying Absolutely. Enjoying the same, uh, you know, coffee is even more enjoyable right. with other people. Well, Dylan and I, we were in Nashville with our with our entire creative department back in, what, November, October? And we took, them, we took them on a coffee, a coffee tour of, like, four of our favorite shops in Nashville. And it was so much better for us to take our friends to the places we loved. Yeah. And the coffee was good. The food was good. The conversation yep. was good. I think all of that, throw that with a gospel bent to it, right? So if you're going to take Jesus to people, go where people are, enter that space. The space matters where we meet people. And usually if we meet people in their space, the entire experience tastes better. Communion Coffee Co.? I like that. I like that. That's a good transition out of this segment. Uh, And before we wrap up, uh, can I just say to our church, Pantano, this is what I love about Pantano. First of all, our core values, Dylan, you can attest to this. Our church lives out these core values like I've never experienced in any church. And you know, Jeremy, you've heard me brag about our well, church. Yes, and I, you can also see it from a mile away. It, it's unbelievable. Like the and I get again, I give all credit to my predecessor, Glenn. Glenn did an incredible job. Glenn just and I know Glenn would say, but that was built on the shoulders of Tim Coop and um, at town, and you just go through the litany of pastors. And here's what I love, Pantano. Those of you at Pantano listening to this, um, I love you because you have figured out that you, it goes back to that statement, that you are going to give up things you love for people that you love more. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to help them see Jesus in authentic ways. Um, I, I love that you let me get to be your pastor because it's so much fun to come alongside of our people and do the work of the gospel together. Um, I'll tell you my favorite group in our church is our seniors. Our senior ministry here, um, they, they've got margin, they've got time, and they've got passion. And, man, I've got some of my favorite people in our church are 85-, 90-year-old men and women that are like, let's get after the gospel. And I'm That's like, cool. let's go. I'm in. Like, uh, they, they are driving us towards deeper mission. They're like, we want to leave this place better than we found it. And we want to make sure the next generation has something to be a part of that is gospel-centered. Not us center, not what we prefer. Um, and I know they're giving up things they love for people they love more. It's just, And it's beautiful. Uh, Dylan, uh, anything we need to hit about um, what's coming on at Pantano? Oh, there's always stuff going on. Well, you are the communication um, especially, specialist. <laughs> especially going into this next season, you know, today is March 2nd. So we're like Wait, it's one March? month away from, yeah. Is it really March? Did you miss that? It is March. Well, it's not March 2nd because that was Thursday. No. What's today? Yeah. Today's March 5th? Yeah. Wait, when did March happen? I le- <laughs> I legitimately thought, no, what? It- oh, my gosh. You're not right either. It's not March 5th. It's March 6th. How are We're we so twisted around? How are we six days into March? Well, I- <laughs> I'm dead serious. I still thought we were in February. <laughs> Stupid month. But- it's well, the fe- snow. The snow's not been helping. No, it's the fact that February's the... snow's the- not helping. February's a short month. February's the month it. where it's like, no, nah, I'm going to be my own month. You guys can all have your 30 and 31. Yeah, January feels so long, and yeah. everyone just, like, breezes through February. So, wait, was this year only 28 days in February? It's not leap year, is yes. it? Yes. 
I just felt like Zach Galifianakis in a hangover. Hey, is Haley's Comet tonight? Oh, no. Okay, good. Yeah, then I can go. I just don't want to miss that. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a reference for you from your pastor. Like, I'm, I bet you're really happy about that. And I'm, Well, hey, it took an hour and 10 minutes to sound the whistle. Um, so we've got... We've, yeah, there's a couple of things. Let's hit a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, Easter's right around the corner. Um, that's going to be amazing. I can't believe you just services. said Easter. Easter. Actually, Easter. we've got actually we've got more than four services, um, because we have all four of those services will be online. Plus, um, we are launching a microsite at Gospel Rescue Mission on March the twelfth, which means Easter Sunday night at six p.m. We'll have a service there, um, and our online service at six p.m. So that is uh, eight, nine, ten. That's ten services that you can uh, experience Pantano with, and a bilingual option too. So oh, really and cool. Revivate. So that's eleven. So. Hey, if we're going to have Easter, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I just got a little overwhelmed <laughs> by all of that right there. Um, is that a panic attack? Yeah. Hey, and GLS is coming in August. I know that's a long way away, but there's an early bird um, global leadership summit. Jeremy, you actually talked about a little bit for like two seconds on Sunday because you've been involved with GLS for yep. years. Um, what would you say to any leaders or potential leaders about GLS if you could give them a 30 second why they should come be a part of it? I just think there's there's lots of ways you can go, oh, we could invest in everybody, and this is like the easiest. <laughs> Let's get everybody together. It's right here. It's with people we believe in, and it, it I mean, we, we just, we did it in both the last churches I was at, and yeah. it was awesome to watch it just jumpstart conversations, jumpstart yeah. people thinking like, oh, I wasn't thinking of that before, and, and really it, cool tool. It just springboards leadership is what it does. Um, so I would highly encourage you to sign up for GLS. Uh, Dylan, anything else, bro? Uh we talked about Easter, but Good Friday, like that's its own thing. Yeah, it's a we have a Good Friday experience here. It's not really a service. It goes on all day long on Good Friday. It's like a it's a self guided experience. Self guided experience. Are we using uh, the the Scott the Painter stuff this year? Yeah, the Stations of the Cross. Stations of the Cross. Scott the Painter. Really, really cool. It is Scott the Painter in it. Is that the yeah. guy? Yeah, I, I follow yeah. a couple guys that kind of are similar. Uh, really cool guided experience. We're gonna have a little nuance this year to it compared to last year, so it's worth coming and checking out. Um, we had like almost a thousand people go through that thing last year and it was really, really cool. Um, and I would say if you're coming to Easter, could you do us a favor? We're doing a 7 a.m. this year and, and our 1 p.m. If you typically go to 9 or 11, if you could either go to 7 or 1, that would really help us a lot because we know we're not going to have a lot of space at 9 and 11. Um, and I know some of you are thinking like 7 with an a.m. Yes, 7 with an a.m. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you want to see the sunrise over the mountains, which Jeremy has been so enamored with the mountains. Gosh, seriously. Um, when we had the snow the other day, Jeremy was just like, I, I don't remember all this down here. It's gorgeous. I've been to Tucson before, and I, I forgot the mountains. That's, that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> I've been to Phoenix a lot, and I forget that there are no mountains. And uh, there are, but you just can't see them up close. I live by a couple on Queen Creek. But here you're on them. Here like, you're like, they're wrapping their arms around you. Yes, they're hugging you. They're like, welcome <laughs> to Tucson. We love you. Well, you can't get out. Um, uh, so now there's a lot of really cool things coming up. Um I feel like there's more that I'm missing, but I know Rooted, next round of Rooted is coming soon. Um, you're you're coming home in April. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'll be there for Easter. Celebrate Lil Dill coming back. Um, Lil Dill. That's uh, that's his alter ego, Lil Dill. Um, are you and Frank reprising your hosting role? Um, that's going to be... It's going to be something special this time. Not that Christmas wasn't. Yeah, because it wasn't something special before. If we want to talk about where the <laughs> faux pas started. Um, we will not talk any longer about that. Hey, Dylan, do me a favor. Give uh, your beautiful bride a big hug from her uh, from her big brother up here in uh, Tucson. And uh, 
really glad that you guys are starting to settle out there a little bit. Um, hopefully you'll get into your own place here soon and be settled in doing your thing. Um, Jeremy, thank you for being on with us today, man. It was a pleasure having yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. This was awesome. This was so fun. Sorry, sorry to make it long. I uh, no, you did. I like talking. We just got really. <laughs> we're both preachers. Are you I kidding don't. me? Like we could sit here and just. I got like I got other stuff I want to talk about. Let's just keep it going. We're just uh, part two starts now. <laughs> uh, except it's not. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church/the-make. We can't wait to see you again next week.